Church, we've been in a series, a teaching series called God, Why? And if you're honest, and if I'm honest, we've all asked ourselves that question, right? To God, one time or another, whether it's a serious thing or even a, a trivial thing. Like, I've asked God before, God, why? Why isn't the workday like two days of work and five days off? Like, God, why? God, God why? Why is, uh, why is exercising such a painful thing? Why is running so difficult for me? Like, somebody asked me one time, you ever done a marathon? I'm like... You mean on Netflix? Like, yeah, Stranger Things 1, 2, 3, yeah, I've got, yeah. So, I mean, why? Like, why do some people order their steak medium, or well done? Why? A, a cow did not give their life for you to do that. So, we ask our quest, these questions, why? On a more serious note, in this series, we've asked the question, God, why don't you hear me when I cry out to you? God, why don't you heal people sometimes when I pray, and I pray for healing for him or her or them? It doesn't happen. God, why? So today on this special Sunday, I had it all set up in my head. It was all planned out what we were going to talk about on the God, why? And God changes directions. I was like, God, why? On Monday, he changes directions. Because God started saying things to me like, you know, you, you and other churches, Monty, you guys do a lot of planning for Easter. It's a big day. And I'm like, yep, we do. You do a lot of preparation. You do other events. You want to draw people in, of course. People are inviting extra, maybe more than they normally do. You really want to gather people on that day. I said, yeah, we do, God. He said, well, what about the, what about the following Sunday? Do you want them to come back? And I said, yeah, God, of course you want them to come back. He said, why don't you tell them why? And I said, okay, God, well, we, we would go to you, the, you for that. And God's like, okay, ask me why. So, Let's just start out this way. How many here, you grew up going to church? Like, you're familiar with church. You've grown, yeah, a lot of you, you grew up going to church. I did too. I, uh, I grew up Catholic. Um, I, uh, I didn't understand it a lot. As a kid, I just, it was a lot of sitting and standing and kneeling and sitting. I just didn't understand it. And I remember looking around the, the, the church as a kid. Everybody seemed so old. Like, I'm like, these people are, like, close to death. I'm like, I don't, it just depressed me a little bit. But you know, as a kid, everybody kind of seems old. You meet, as a kid, you meet somebody who's 40, you're like, oh my gosh, you're one foot in the grave. And then you turn 40, you're like, I ain't that, you know, it just changes. So, and plus church people, if we're honest, church people can be a little weird, can't they? I mean, they say, they have their own verbiage, their own language, like, how you doing? I'm blessed. Oh, oh that's good. how are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. I mean, it's just this, you know, they, they know all the things to say. Like, God is good. And all the time, you're that weird church person. You see what I'm saying? You're that person. People, we, we just, everybody's got a different thing they think of when they think of church. So when I was 18 years old, I left the church. Uh, like, I didn't, I, my, I was no longer forced to go. And many of you maybe can relate. But I asked the question to God, literally, God, Why? Why would I keep going to a church that, I mean, I just don't get it. it. It doesn't seem like it adds any value. And I'm, and if you thought that same thing, you're not alone. And I wasn't alone. Church, like, attendance over the last decades have, has, has continually gone uh, down more and more. And, uh, and I actually, in preparation, I looked up a few things, a few of the top reasons that, that I would give and that you or other people might give to be like, yeah, a church, I can, you know, take it or leave it. I looked up a group of nine. I'm going to give you half of them. 
One of the reasons that, that, that people don't go to church is technology, right? Like, wh why would I go to church when I can just watch it? Or I can watch a podcast whenever I want, a message whenever I want. I can listen to my favorite metals, church music whenever I want. I don't have to be in the room. I got it right here in my hand. Technology was one of the top ones. One, uh, the next one that I found was activities. Like, especially kids' activities. Now more than ever, we have so many options for us and our kids. And as a parent, I get it. We, we believe in our hearts that our kid is going to make it to the big leagues, right? So we can't miss it Sunday practice. We can't miss a Sunday game because little Billy, little Billy's going to play in the NBA. Is he? Okay, I've seen little Billy play. I don't know if he knows the difference between a, a bowling ball and a basketball. But anyway, so, but, but, but we believe that about our kids sometimes. The, the next one was interesting. I never heard this before. Self-directed spirituality. We're going to find our own way, right? We don't need, I don't need a pastor or church to really guide me. I got Google. That sounds safe, doesn't it? I, I got social media. I can have strangers tell me what they believe and we're, you know. So it's self-directed spirituality. If any demographic knows about this, it's got to be the medical field, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I will diagnose myself seven different times before I even go into the doctor. I mean, when I get there, he's like, well, what do you got going on? I'm like, doc, you don't need to worry about that. I've already diagnosed it. It's diverticulitis. Go ahead and give me the medicine. You know, I've, I've already got to figure it figured out. So, but self-directed spirituality. I'll give you one more. This is one of the top ones that always makes the list. This was my excuse. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Like, I don't need organized religion to, to like, have my relationship with Jesus. That's what I said pretty, for, for many years of my life. And maybe, and if you've said that too, you are not alone. So today, we're asking God, God, why church? Other than making grandma or grandpa happy on Christmas or Easter, why church? So to, to know what the church truly is, because we have, we have all different ideas in our head. The only church you know is the church you've known. But what was the church supposed to be? The only way we can figure that out is going into God's word and looking at the earliest church. Because if anybody ever got it right, and no one ever got it all right, but if anybody did, it would have been the earliest believers. The ones who like walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. Like they, they, faced, they, they knew him. So if any, and if any group ever was doing it correctly, it would have been them. I want to preach to you today out of the book of Acts. This is uh, this, the, the action of the, the disciples, the apostles. Acts 2.42. This is what they were doing. This is what the church was when Jesus left and he left his church to do the work. This is what they did. All the believers, we can stop right there. All the believers devoted themselves. Not just some, not just a few, all to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They were all in. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed miraculous signs and wonders. Can you imagine? All the believers met together. Say together. They met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold property, possessions, shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple, not just every week, but every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, while this is going on, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And how did God show up? I'm glad you asked. Each day the Lord added to the fellowship those that were being saved. So what do we, we learn just there? We learn this. They were learning together. 
They were growing together. They were eating together, sharing together, praying together, praising God together. They perform miracles, right? Because that's normal. They're performing miracles. They, they met each other's needs. They were generous, and they all had great joy. I mean, does that sound like our world today? Like, like that's happening right now? If we're honest many times, no, that, that, is, that sounds crazy. I was convicted when they said they were sharing their meals. I don't share my meal with anybody. You come after my cheesecake, I will stab you with my fork. I mean, I'm like, I got to get better. So, see, so many times when we hear church, say church. When we hear or say that word, we think of a building, right? We think of a building, or we think of a Sunday morning, right? That's, that's church. But that's not what we see here. We see that it was, it was, it was about growing, like, what you just heard there, these, this small group of, like, men and women that were devoted, they were growing upward to God, inward towards each other in love, and they were growing outward, reaching more people to bring them in. That's what they were doing. It's unbelievable. So, the first thing I believe God wants us to know is this. We grow closer to Jesus when we're part of a local church. And, and I'll show you three, I'll show you three specific reasons that we already read in the text Why? So the church will connect you to things that the world cannot connect you to. So number one, the church connects you to the word of God. The church will connect you to God's word. There's not many people I know that are outside of the church just doing life on their own that naturally just get up and jump in the word. Are there some? Yes. Are there many? No. So it'll connect you to God's word. And we, what we don't need today is more opinions. What is the saying? Opinions are like, Okay, actually, forget that. Um, so, so, but everybody's got an opinion. Okay, everybody does. And everybody wants to give it. So I, I tell the church, I say, you don't want your pastor's opinion. Okay, my opinion will get you arrested. Ask my friends, they know. You don't want the pastor's opinion. You want truth. That's what we need. And going back to the word of God, it says in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And you might say, well, I don't agree with all of God's word. And I don't really, I'm not bought into everything that you're bought in. It, it, okay, that's, that, here's the problem. We've become a society where if you don't agree with everything I agree with, I mean everything, 100%, we can't hang out. Like we, we can't, we, we're just, we can't do anything together. We can't be together if we don't agree. That makes zero sense. Like if that was really the case, no one would be married. Nobody would be married, right? And if you're like, well, my spouse and I, we get along with it. Do you? Like, turn to your spouse right now and say, hey, what do you want to do for lunch? I mean, by the time you figure that out, it'll be dinner time, okay? I'm just, you don't agree on everything. So, but we don't, the, the word of God, it's okay to press into each other and even push back. That's how we, that's how we learn and that's how we grow. And here's what I contend. We agree, even if we don't agree on a lot, we agree on more than we don't when it comes to God's word. You agree with loving God, you agree, or you agree with loving others, being more generous, being more compassionate, being more care. You agree with, we agree with way more than we don't. So, snapshot. Here's a 45-second snapshot of how God's word has transformed my life. You ready? Here's how it happened. One day I'm reading Ephesians 4. And I, I'm working in, in the world, like, like many of us, most of us do. And God calls me into full-time ministry. It happened reading the word. Then later I'm reading Psalm 23. Some of you, you know that psalm. And I'm reading it, and God says, you're going to help start a church called Meadows. Spoke it directly to me. I'm reading Romans 7 one day, in, dead in my addiction, just did a fifth step, which is a confession. And, and I'm doing this confession with a guy, and he has me turn to Romans 7. 
And I read about Paul, this, this, this giant of a Christian. And he was struggling and miserable. He was just, a rat. He was just hor- in a horrible place. And I thought, oh, my God, it was me. I was reading about me. I'm like, so there's people, there's, there's these giants in the Bible who struggled like I struggle. And I just, I, was, I remember just weeping. Par- if you're a parent, and there's many parents here today, the word of God is going to help you parent. I'll, I'll show you. Like, if your kids aren't behaving and they're not listening, you go to the word of God. Ephesians, where is it? 6-3. You tell them, children, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on the earth. So what is that saying? If you don't honor your mom and your dad, things are going to go horribly bad for you. And you might die early, like today, if you don't listen, okay? So you can use this to your advantage. I'm just trying to help. So the church, the church will connect you to the word of God. If you're doing that on your own apart from the church, you are, you are the minority, I promise you. But when you connect to a body, they, you will be encouraged heavily. And that will influence whether you get in the word or not. In the word, I'm telling you, it will change you. So the, the second thing it connects you to is God's people. Say God's people. God's people. The church, we say it all the time, is a family. Is it a messed up family? Yeah, look around. Yes, it is t- horribly messed up. We always say we're dysfunctional. We put the fun in dysfunctional at Meadows Church. We are messed up. The church is muddy. muddy. The church is messy. But it's still the church. So we are a family. We are devo- they were devoted to the fellowship. I couldn't, I couldn't get over the word devoted. They were devoted to the gathering. And the gathering is as important now as it was then. There were people even back in biblical times that, were, that didn't go to church. Like they fall away. Yeah, I get it. If you haven't been in church in a long time, I ain't judging you. I like didn't go for 15 years, so I have no place. But it's easy to fall out of the habit. So it happened back then too. Like in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews addresses it. They say, let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. There's something about the gathering together. And it's not just, it's not, you can't get it watching it on a screen. You can't get it listening to a podcast. It's, it's the gathering together. Technology cannot place, replace the relationship. It can't. It can, and it, you know, it can help. You, you, technology, we can use it to our advantage. If we are on vacation, we check in. We want to share a message that way, we can. Uh, I mean, heck, remember the Zoom meetings? It was kind of nice doing Zoom meetings with, with no pants on, wasn't it? I mean, seriously. Okay, I might have just said too much. But anyway, whatever. So, I'm just, so there are advantages. But I'm telling you, if someone were to say to me, it's, it's, I get this. I've never heard anybody say, watching online is the same as being in the room. No one's ever, you know what I've heard a lot of? It's not the same. It, it's different. It's, it's not, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's not the same. And if you, and if you still want to say, well, you know, it's the same thing. Here's what I would say. On your, on your wedding night, you know, when you go back to that hotel room that you have reserved, instead of getting one hotel room, just get two. And the guy can go in one, and the girl, she can go in the other. And, you know, you can light some candles and get into bed and snuggle up and just open up your phone and FaceTime. Hey, sweetie, and just see how it goes. I mean, it's, it is not the same. That You can't, do you hear what they did together? Like, I want to encourage you today. That's what they did. They encouraged each other. We're going to, we prayed for each other today. They shared, they cared. And the word that really hit me as I studied for you, they were generous. Say generous. See, 
When you're around a body of people that are messed up like you, but seeking the Lord like you, and they don't have it all together like you, and they're, they're, they're jacked up, but they're still want, they want something better, we will, we will spur one another on, on in good deeds. So generosity, like I've seen God do such crazy things in this church. These, these th- if you're new, these are, this is called the one for one. And you might have saw some people earlier bring up dollar bills and they put it in there. They know that because they're, they've been a part of the church for a while, so they know what to do. But this is spurring generosity in us. And it's crazy because all we do is everybody brings a dollar. And we, every week we just stick a dollar in there. Now, and at the end of a month, we, we gather the money, sometimes over $1,000. And then you, you nominate people to, to receive it. And, and so this happens together. People, I mean, if you're doing this on your own and your family is collecting dollars, I mean, that's great, but you're probably not. You're pro- it's something happens when we come together. In fact, let me read to you one of the nominations that was selected last month that you haven't even heard yet. I'm nominating one of my coworkers. We'll, we'll call her Jay. For the one for one. She's 21 years old. She recently told me how she's raising four siblings by herself. Her mom is in prison. She has no idea where her dad is. While she's working right now, she's still under a great amount of stress. Jay is such a wonderful young lady and is doing the best she can, raising, supporting, loving her siblings. I don't know where she stands with her faith, but I'm sure an unexpected blessing like this from the church would really help her and hopefully draw her closer to Jesus. We couldn't agree more. So Jay, this week, will be getting a check from you for $1,333. So that happens when we gather together. And if you don't think generosity breeds generosity, I'm telling you, it does. Because when people hear stories like that, I have other people come to me and say, hey, you know what, Pastor? Whatever the, whatever the amount is for, say, March, we want to match it. And we have somebody do that. So I have not one story, but two stories. So the second person that's getting blessed, I'll read you this story. I like to begin by introducing myself. I'm going to leave off the name, but I'm a principal at a local elementary school here in the area. I was approached by one of your congregants uh, about in an effort to nominate a family for your one-for-one ministry. When I heard about the program, I was excited because this is a, a direct opportunity to bless a family that's gone through extreme trauma as well as d- family dynamic changes that would push many families to the brink. I'm happy to share a little bit of the story as it relates. We have two, let's see, we have two and soon to be three students in our school community who tragically lost their mom due to an unexpected health event. The mother of these students was their rock. She provided stability and care for them through extremely difficult times. Our school counselor and I have been deeply involved in the lives of the students over the past six years. They've been walking with this family. Now imagine, now they've lost their mom. They've experienced um, multiple times of uncertainty in the house, moves, divorce, parents, and now, of course, this loss. The needs are a consistent part of a school day. They require basic needs such as snacks and uh, emotional support as they navigate trauma and grief. And when I att- Listen to this. He says, when I attended the wake for the mom, I made her a promise that I would take care of the girls. And I believe this is a, your one-for-one is a tangible way that we can help do that. With financial support from your church, who he doesn't know, he's never met, these students will have additional funds available to them. Not only that, but the ones who they're going to be connected to now, their grandparents, will benefit. Their grandparents also care for an adult child who has special needs, and they do not live in the metropolitan area. 
Therefore, the girls often travel on the weekends multiple times back and forth, uh, uh, um, let's see here, within the safety and stability of their grandparents' home. Please consider this letter as my support for the family. We appreciate you considering them for your one-for-one -one ministry. And we appreciate the nomination. And even though I've never met you, sir, you're going to be blessed to bless them with a check for $1,333. Now, this, this is what, the, the, when the body comes together and a dollar, a dollar in and of yourself, by yourself in your house won't do a whole lot. But when you come together like this and you start pooling resources like that, you can start to make impacts, impact in people's lives like that. I love that. The church is going to connect you to God's word when the world won't. The church will connect you to God's people when the world won't. And the church is going to connect you to God's mission. Remember I said earlier that you have a purpose? Well, you're, I guarantee you, your purpose is directly tied to the mission that God has for you. Jesus Christ himself said it, go and make disciples. Go and reach people in my name. This is our mission. Now maybe, again, maybe you're doing that on your own outside the church. It's normal for your family to wake up on a Saturday and it's like, all right, kids, it's Saturday. Jimmy, you got soccer at 10. We're going to go to Chick-fil-A from 12 to 1 to eat some Christian chicken. And then from 1 to 4, we're going to share our faith with strangers that we don't know. You ready, family? Okay. If you're doing that, Okay, that's, no one's doing, not many people are doing that. They're not on their own. But we have people in our church, I love sharing stories with you, because they're from, they're, they're, they're authentic stories from you. We have people in our church that have never shared their faith. Never, ever. Like, it's one of the number one purposes is, is for us to go and share faith, go and reach people. But very few people ever do it unless they're spurred on by a body. I got another message this week. It's like, God's writing this message for me. Thank God. Where is it? Whew. Okay. Oh. All right. So here it is. I get an email this week from somebody in the church. I was out tonight. I met a new waitress at a restaurant where we usually go. And I know a lot of the waitresses, but this particular waitress I was talking to at the end of the evening while she was closing. While that was happening, we started to share. She started to share. She found out I was a special ed teacher and she started talking about her girls who were giving her a lot of challenges. So 13 and 15 years old, I think any parent of a teenager will appreciate what she's saying. She's got big challenges with, with uh, her girls. So I found myself in this moment opening my purse, reaching in, grabbing an Easter invitation. I wrote my name on it because it's personal. I wrote my number on it. And I said, it sounded like you could use this. And I invited her to church. And guess what, Pastor? She was so open to it. So I said, bring your friends as well. She said, wow, I couldn't believe it. I actually did it. She invited someone to church, and she had maybe never done that before. Why? Because she's part of a body that encourage, encourages people. Share your faith. Give an invite card. Do this thing, because it'll change someone's life. That's what's happening. Here's a newsflash. You and I, we don't drift towards Jesus naturally. We don't drift towards the mission of Jesus naturally. What we'll naturally do, apart from the body, we will drift away from it. And I, I can show that to you. Like, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, love your enemies, right? How are you doing with that, apart from the church? Pray for those who persecute you. You know what that says to me? Monty, pray for those who cut you off in traffic. I'm like, Jesus, I'll pray. I pray you blow out their transmission in Jesus' name, okay? That, that, that's what I do apart from the church. I need the church, and you do too. So the church, let's recap. The church will connect you to God's word. Say word. 
God's people, say people. God's mission, say mission. That's what it connects you to. By the way, the church will stand when everything else falls. Here's why I tell you that. Everything that we, is, is made in the world, everything we construct by human hands, eventually falls and breaks and, 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 and crumbles. The church, it, never, it will always stand and always be there. Do you know why? Because the church, check this out, the church was never our idea. It was God's idea. See, the church wasn't our plan. We saw an axe. It, it was God's plan for them to gather like that and love like that and be generous like that and invite people in like that. It wasn't ours. So, so the church stands when everything else doesn't stand. And if I, and if I could just get personal, everything I set aside, the, the word for a second, the, the mission, the people, the, the, the word, I'll tell you personally from a guy that left the church for 15 years, the church saved my life. The church saved my marriage. The church saved my family. And you might say, well, whoa, Pastor, you mean, you mean Jesus saved you? Well, yeah, I, I, Jesus through the church. So, see, that's kind of the problem. What we do or what I've done a lot of my life, I would separate them. I'd, I try to separate Jesus and the church. Do you know what you can't do? That. It's impossible. You see, to get rid of the church would mean you have to get rid of Jesus. You'd have to. Heck, I'll tell you something. To get, rid of, to get rid of the church, you'd have to like rip out three-fourths of the New Testament and throw it away and, and not even read it. Because you know what it is? It, it's, it's, it's to churches. It's to you and I and to other churches back then. Heck, read Revelation. Jesus, the first three chapters is Jesus speaking and dictating. You know who he's dictating to? Churches. See, you, you cannot separate them. Here's what I want you to know. A step away from the church is a step away from Christ. I found it out the hard way. 15 years ago, I had to, I had to almost be dead in addiction before I would come back, come crawling back to the bride of Christ, which, which welcomed me in and loved me in my, in my worst of the worst. The church. So, and, and to show you, like, statistically, that, that, that Jesus and the church, you can't separate them even though we try. Check this out. Remember how we started the, the, the message? We said that church attendance has steadily been on the decline for not just years, but decades. Do you know what's tied to, tied to that? Do you know what else is on the decline for, for decades? Believers. In the early 1990s, 9 out of 10 or 90% of U.S. adults said they're believers in Jesus. Do you know what it is today? 63%. That is drastic. That's the, the decline. See, I'm telling you, they are a step away from the church is a step away from Jesus. And I could go on and on with scriptures about how powerful and how important and how critical the church is. But we don't have time for that. But I can tell you this. The more that you study scripture, here's what you'll learn. The church is the body of Christ. That's why you can't separate it. You don't separate Christ from the body. You know what else the church is? The church is the bride of Christ. Is it a messy bride? Yep, we're in it. Is it the bride of Christ? It is. His beautiful bride. And Jesus loves his bride. The church, the only thing that Jesus said he would ever build, what? The church. Of all the things you could build, Jesus, he said, I'll build my church. It's the very thing that Jesus died for, and it's the very thing that Jesus is coming back for. It is not about religion. It is not about a building. Why? Because Jesus Christ didn't die to make you religious. He died to show you the love of the Father.
You're the church. I'm the church. Are we jacked up? Yeah, we're jacked up, but we're still his church. The body of Christ and the bride of Christ. And I'd be like, I don't need it. But it was never my idea. It was God's idea. So picture this story. Jesus is done with his mission on earth. He's done. It's over. And he goes up into heaven. And he meets the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel's like, hey, Jay, what up? And Jesus is like, hey. And Gabriel's like, well, how did it go? How, was your, how did your mission go to save the world? Did you accomplish it, Jesus? And Jesus is like, well, yes and no. I mean, I, 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 I modeled a godly life for 33 years. I, uh, I died on a cross for the sins of the world. I burst forth from the tomb, which we celebrate today. I, 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 to, I did all that to convince this small group of frightened little circle of people that my story and my life were true. So with that little tiny group of people, I, I, I said to my Holy Spirit, I commissioned them to be the church, and I left. And Gabriel's like, that's it? Like, that's your plan? Like, so, so the, 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 the fate of the world, the fate of the plan of the world to save the world rests on that group of people, that, the, the former prostitutes, Jesus, that you did? Yeah. The, the misfits, the sinners, the rejects. The, your plan to save the world rests on that? And Jesus is like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And, and Gabriel's like, okay, uh, okay, Jesus, just work with me here. Say the plan doesn't work. Like, say that little group of people, you know, the, 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 the hookers and the drunks and the men. Say, say that they don't do what you want them to do. Like, what's your, what's, what's, plan, what's your next plan? What's your backup plan, Jesus? Where Jesus, I think, would say, well, there ain't one. That's it. Like, that's plan, there is no plan B. It's my church. See, the only, I guarantee you this, I came to tell somebody, the only one who wants you to believe that you're better off away from the church is the enemy. And you know why? Because he knows the power of the church. He has seen the power of the church. Heck, the Bible says he's been defeated by the power of the church because Christ said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Do you, if you believe it, put your hands together for a second. God, we give you glory. This is your church. Messed up people doing their best to seek you, trying to be generous, trying to love. This is your church. And by the way, the, cho- the church stewards the most powerful message in the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And maybe there's somebody here, you're like, oh, this is all great about church, but I'm not even bought into Jesus. He's bought into you. Oh, he's bought into you. So the good news of Jesus is my favorite part. Not just on Easter. You hear it every week here. Jesus Christ, so God's plan through the church, Jesus at the head, Jesus, the groom. God sends Jesus, some of you know the story, but boy, I hope it hits you. God sends Jesus to the cross. God sends Jesus to die. Makes no sense, it's like your only son, God. But the, 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 we're the problem, right? I know I'm the problem. And you, you know you, you mess up too. We all do. 
And, and God says, I, I, you, can't, you can't be good enough. That's why I keep telling the church, you're not good enough and neither am I. And you never will be. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people do. People covered by the grace of God do. So, oh, let me tell you about the grace of God. Here's a great way to explain it. So, so Jesus dies on the cross. And trust me, Jesus, he's dead. Like, when, if you would have been there that day, and you looked up at Jesus' body when he hung there dead, no one was, like, thinking, you know, I think he's going to be all right. You know, a little nip and tuck. I, I just, you know, no. Nobody was thinking that. He was dead. Had to be. So Jesus dies for you. That's the grace of God that pays a penalty that you can't pay. That's what it does. This is the greatest news in the world. It pays a penalty that you can't pay. So, so here's God's grace in a nutshell. God's grace is Jesus taking the blame for everything that you and I did wrong. And I don't know about your life, but it's a lot with me. Jesus takes the blame. I'll take it all on me. That's what the cross did. And then Jesus isn't done because he loves you that much. Jesus says, I'm going to give you credit for everything I did right. And you know what Jesus did right? Everything. I wonder who I'm preaching to. I wonder who walked in here dead, hurting, struggling. I wonder who walked in here maybe even joyful but not understanding the true joy that you can have through Jesus. The grace of God. By your faith in God's grace, that connection. I'll summarize as we close. I wrote it down. The, good news, the gospel means good news. The gospel, you want to know what it's about? It's about what God has done for you and who you can become in Christ. That's what it's about. It's about a personal relationship. Not just a head knowledge of Jesus, not just a belief in Jesus, but a personal, heartfelt relationship with Jesus. With Christ at the center being the answer to your deepest needs. Jesus. The good news offers you what you're frantically searching for in the world. A second chance. Forgiveness, it's here. Freedom, it's here. Security, purpose, love, acceptance, strength. The good news settles your past. It assures your future and it brings meaning to today. I'm telling somebody, the good news is the best news in the world. Jesus Christ died for you, but that's not all. He took a bloodstained cross and turned it into an empty tomb. That's the greatest news in the world. I need someone to get love. It's the best news in the world. If the tomb isn't empty, we are screwed. If it's not empty, it's over. You never have to come back here if the tomb isn't empty. Because it's worthless. The Bible says it's, it's done. But the tomb is empty. I'm t I don't know it because the Bible said it. I know it because he took a dead man and he brought him back to life. And I'm telling you, if Jesus can do it in me, oh, what he wants to do in you. He loves you. So here, here's your part. This is it. Surrender. I know later you're going to spend time with family and friends, and you should. But in this moment, right here, right now, whatever you got going on, this isn't about anybody else. It's about you and Jesus. He wants your full-on surrender. Picture his love for you on the cross. Picture the miracle and the power of Jesus. He, he brought himself back to life. If a man can do that, he can change you. 
by his grace, you can be covered. It's for everybody, but you have to receive it through faith. That's the kicker. Everybody's covered by the grace of God. Few people, the word says, receive it. Your job today, what my prayer for all week has been for you, you'll receive the grace of God like you've never received it before. And if, when you do that, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, we pray you let us know. That's what the connect cards are for. That's what the, 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 the code is for. Email us. Let us know what Jesus is doing in your life. You are saved by God's grace through your faith. Believing in him. And then turning. Repentance is part of that. It means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my way. I, I, I want to go a different direction. I'm going to agree with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to move a different direction. Because I believed in Jesus all my life. I wasn't saved all my life. Just telling you. Faith is action. You don't earn your salvation, but when you're saved, it will change your, it will change your action. Receive his grace today. I'm going to pray for you. Father, today we celebrate the greatest miracle in history. Here's the reality. Thousands of people died on a cross. The crucifixion wasn't just unique to Jesus. Many people died that way. The, one of the most horrendous ways a person could die. Of all those thousands, one man pulled off a miracle. He brought himself back to life. Today we celebrate that magnified God, but we celebrate it every day. Here's the thing. The tomb is empty tomorrow on Monday when we go to work. The tomb will be empty on Tuesday when we go to the gym. The, to the tomb's empty on Wednesday when we're trying to help our kids with their homework. The tomb is empty. And God forbid we leave a place and not understand what that means to us personally. Jesus, you want a personal relationship. That happens when we surrender everything to you. And I believe there are people here that they've surrendered maybe 95%, and there's 5% they hold back. And 95% and, and surrender is no surrender at all. You want all of us. So God, I pray for everybody in the room that you will help them surrender everything, that, 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 that they understand your grace, the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus covers their sin. And if we're not covered, well, it's not a good thing. We need to be covered by your grace. But then by faith, we have to accept it. Accept your truth. Accept your love. If they hear nothing else, God, let them know you love them. Despite where they were yesterday or last night or last week, what they, what they, who they, how they talked to somebody or what they smoked or what they did, what they looked at, despite anything that they've done, God, you love them. For God so loved the world. That includes everybody watching here and everybody online. God, we're, we're praying for full-on surrender. We'll celebrate the tomb, but it doesn't mean anything unless it's personal to us. So God, make it personal. May people make a decision today by faith to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, that he was dead on a cross, but three days later, he brought himself back to life. That miracle, if we can wrap our head around that and own that and sell out to it by faith and allow your Holy Spirit to work in our lives, you will change us. And it may not happen immediately, but I guarantee it will happen eventually because you cannot meet Jesus and not change. That's impossible. So God, change lives. Do what only you can do. We give you glory. We are going to sing. 
that you turn graves into gardens because that's exactly what you do. You're doing it today, you'll do it tomorrow, you'll do it next year, and you'll be doing it thousands of years from now if we're still here. God, have your way. We love you, we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. Hey, I wanna thank you so much for watching today, but don't stop there. I wanna invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I wanna encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.